This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, Tumble Bluepin. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save me by Cam Talbot. to the left side. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, one up, one down for our fair city on Thanksgiving Monday. The Eskimos getting a much-needed win, but the Oilers losing their second straight, falling to 1-2 and two on the young season. They were beaten fairly thoroughly 5-2 by the Winnipeg Jets and head coach Todd McClellan not pleased after the game. In the last two nights, we haven't come close to outworking a team. And structurally, we are, uh, we're about as loose as we can be. We're missing assignments, our responsibility level, and you, it starts with your star players. Your stars have to be superstars every night on both sides of the puck. And one line really did a good job of it. Not, they wore white. And uh, one line on our team wore orange, and we didn't quite get it done with the star players. All right. Uh, McClellan, very blunt after the game. We'll go through some of his comments, but I wanted to get that one out initially because he mentioned star players, and I think we all know who that is on the Oilers. Two guys who got pretty big contracts over the summer, McDavid and Dreisaitl. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched will kick it off tonight with former NHL goaltender from the NHL on Rogers and Hockey Night in Canada. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic, Reed. I have a night off here in Los Angeles. So uh, after you and I are done talking, I'm going to go have a nice uh, cold beer with my uh, partner, Rick Ball, and then we're going to go find a nice Italian joint downtown. How's the, that there you go, your old stopping grounds in Los Angeles. You, you, you're still, like, recognized when you walk into any establishment there, right? Oh, of course. I'm uh, one of the most famous uh, people in the downtown core right about now. <laughs> It's like, it's like Magic Johnson is slightly above Kelly Rudy. That's how that's how it is with the L.A. legends. Uh, but seriously though, that's that's cool. I, I know you love uh, I know you love visiting L.A. You played there for several years. Hey, I wanted to fire that McClellan clip right off the top for you. Uh, look, we we've heard him before and we've analyzed his comments before. He's pretty blunt, and I thought it was interesting there that he took that clip that comment into the star player category because that's a bit of a, a finger point that the two young guys who are supposed to be leading the team i think anyway well i think it's uh it's directed for sure at those guys but i think also underlying in that comment is that hey i'm going after the big boys here because uh they certainly weren't very good they were they were not very good on saturday and I was surprised actually that they uh, came back home yesterday and uh, were as lethargic as they were um, but there were a lot of culprits there. And I think that the underlying thing, when a coach says something like that, he points out the superstars because typically uh, they have to handle that, and usually they can. But it's also 
a, a shot meant at everybody else. Like, I'm going after these guys, but don't think that you're not next. And so you look at uh, Maroon, was a, that was a terrible play on the first goal by Shifley. Uh, not much better from uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid. The second goal wasn't great on Talbot. The second goal by Ehlers uh, was not a very good play by Clefbaum. He can't allow that pass to go across. So there are a lot of people that were to blame, and that's okay. I mean, it's early. But what I really noticed um, watching on Saturday anyways is that they were just not engaged really mentally. They got going a little bit in the third period when they recognized the games on the line. But what they, what they identified correctly is that they're better than Vancouver, but Vancouver's going to work hard. You, that's a given. So, you know, you have to come ready, and however you have to motivate yourself, you have to sometimes manufacture motivation, and that's everybody, whether it's McDavid or the lousiest guy on the team. And sometimes you do it in different ways. I know that I use hatred as a, uh, a great motivator. It didn't take me much to get riled up and, and have a real hate on for the other team. And that was one way that I tried to spark some uh, energy in myself. Other ways, uh, if I wasn't feeling it, uh, during the national anthem, I'd look around and say, hey, this is pretty cool. There's 18,000, 19,000 people here to watch us play. And that would sometimes give me a jolt of energy. So my point being, you've got to find different ways to spark that enthusiasm, and they certainly didn't do it two games in a row, and so the coach is going to help them with that. Well, and it's going to be interesting now because uh, today's uh, the the off day, and we should remind people, sometimes people get furious if a team gets a day off after a loss. Day offs are normal in the NHL, plus by the uh, union rules, you have to have four a month where you don't practice or play or yeah. travel. So that so that was today. They're still going to have three solid days of practice, which I assume will include a lot of uh, instruction and reminders and all those types of things. But, but, I mean, you made a great point with Vancouver where they just decided they were going to play with a lot of energy and the Oilers were kind of maybe going to figure out to see how hard they were going to work that night instead of assuming right from the get-go that, that they needed that level of uh, level of commitment. And then it started too well, too easily for Edmonton on that on Saturday, where Chris Russell scored just over a minute in, and you're thinking, oh boy, they're going to just take the boots to Vancouver. And uh, you know what? But you got to put in the work. I don't care how talented you are. I would say you go back 15, 20 years. There were some powerhouses that they could sort of you know, cruise through the first little bit of the game, and and then you'd turn it on and you'd win. I, I remember. I believe it was my first year, and I usually didn't say much in the dressing room. But uh, so, as you recall, we did one four Stanley Cups in a row. So, awfully good team. We're playing Vancouver at home, not a very good team. And uh, I was the goaltender that night, and I was pretty quiet. I didn't want to step on anybody's toes, but I was pretty mad at the guys because after two periods on home ice, it's a two-two game. So I kind of lit into the guys a little bit, maybe naively or whatever. Nobody said anything to me. And they went out and we won 7-2. But that's how, you, that's how that team could play back then. They could really do that. But in today's game, you see how hard Edmonton played in the third period on, on Saturday. But it's usually not going to be enough anymore because the parity is so, so unbelievable in this league right now. Well, that's a good point. I, I mean, it's it's you you could go out in in the 1980s and win a period five nothing like like the Islanders just did. And I mean, you're right. The Edmonton yeah. actually had a pretty good third period against the Canucks, but you only win it one nothing. Yeah, and so if you're down two, that's not enough. Kelly Rudy joining us inside sports on 6:30. Chet Oilers one and two to uh, to start the season. I mean, do do you think that? Um, 
there, from your observations, because we talked last week about the Oilers dealing with the expectations, do, do you think that that creeps into a team's head where, oh, we, we, uh, we get the sense we're picked to be a pretty good team? Or is this just a, a, a two-game lapse that, that's bound to happen at some point? I'm going to go up the ladder. I think it's just a two-game lapse. I, I think this team is well-prepared to handle the expectations on it. I, I, I saw a team that became pretty darn mature last year, and I was really impressed with that. Um, so, to me, I think that they just have to understand how to get back to that. I, I mean, most coaches will tell you that they spend the first couple, three months trying to see where their team is mentally, and unfortunately for Todd and his coaching staff, that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to drag this uh, wheel out of the guys again and let them know that it just doesn't come naturally. You've got to you've got to find a way to dig it out of yourself, and uh, they can do that. But right now, they're they're just hoping they're going to recapture something, and that's a, a formula for failure. All right, you know, two teams that had a lot of hype going into the season were the Oilers and the Leafs. I mentioned the Oilers one and two. The Leafs, meanwhile, have grabbed it starting three and zero. Oh. They're already plus nine in the point or the goal differential column. Nineteen goals, four and three games, ten against, which is in this day and age is actually a lot to give up. But when you can score that many, uh, it doesn't really matter. Give me a sense of why they've been able to jump out of the gate so quickly, and if you think they're built to sustain it. And I should preface this by saying. I don't know if that division is going to be overly challenging, certainly to make the playoffs in, but uh, tell me a little bit about where you think the Leafs are at. Well, first of all, they're they're really well built. They are top to bottom uh, really, really deep. I like their lines. Uh, their D is uh, uh, a little bit better than you expect. I mean, when Mike Babcock can get the best out of Jake Gardner, you know he's a pretty good coach. So he allows him to play the way that Gardner likes to play, and although he's got some... He protects him pretty well when he can, but uh, this is a team and a great, great goaltender. I think he's the foundation of the team, by the way. Uh, even though they have Matthews and some other good players, uh, I think Frederick Anderson allows them to play the way they want to sort of attack. And although I did say on Saturday, it's interesting watching that team and how he's going to have to adjust his game, Anderson, because as you mentioned, they score in bunches. And when you're a goaltender, and sometimes when your team gets a big lead, uh, they can seem to take their foot off the gas, and then you have to be ready. And that's what happened on Saturday. That I mean, they had a 5-1 lead. Next thing you know, in the second period, it's 5-5. So um, that's going to be an issue. Um, but I just think that how this team is built, personally, I think uh, the Cadbury line, um, and I know they changed it up just a little bit last night to put Connor uh, Brown on there um, with Komarov also and took Patty Marlowe off. Not sure what the issue was. Uh, the reason why, but that line to me might be the best third line in the league. I mean, Cadre has come so far in the last year and a little bit that uh, he resurrected what was uh, a pretty mediocre-looking career. He, I think he just he didn't know where he fit in. And then when Mike Babcock came in and gave him the the assignment to shut down the other guys, all of a sudden. He took great pride in that. And so he became a guy that really wanted to compete. He's really improved in the face-off circle. He's done so many things uh, that to improve his overall game. The, the number one thing I get when I watch Cadre now, he's proud. Like He's got swagger. He's not like a lost guy out there trying to figure out 
what his role is. He knows his role, and he takes it really seriously. I love when guys do that, when they take that step and they develop properly. All right, Kelly, before I let you go, the first regular season game in Las Vegas will be played tonight with the Coyotes visiting the Golden Knights, who are 2-0 to start the season. Good for them. James Neal with three goals. Of course, there was an NHL game played in Las Vegas on September 27, 1991. It was an exhibition game in a parking lot, and you played in it. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And I... Uh, that was the first appearance, first and last appearance of the Rudy Camp, and uh, so that was a real, uh, that was a favorite memory of mine. The one memory that's not so favorable, though, are all the locusts that came in, and it was somewhere in the second period, uh, and they stayed around till the very end of the game, and it was really distracting. Uh, I hate insects, by the way, uh, and so that was bothersome. But it got they were so heavy at times. Uh, this is not an exaggeration, Reed. Um, I was afraid that if in close, the guy was going to shoot a puck at me, that there might be, it might, he might scoop a locust up along with the, the shot and the puck or might hit one along the way and uh, hit me in the face or something. It was just, I remember, I, I, I might be mistaken. I think it's uh, Ty Domi. I think he was the New York Rangers that night. That He said he got one in his mouth when he was skating. And Oh, my gosh, that just sounds so... Uh, disgusting to me. So those are the two memories that I have. Uh, also, Bruce McDowell, after the game, took me into this high-stakes private gambling room that I saw some guy lose like millions. So that was another, I guess, the three uh, three three things that stand out to me the most. <laughs> That's amazing. I was just reading about this. It, it's There's an article here that says it got as high as 35 Celsius during that game. The, do you remember that? Uh, it was... Uh, it was awfully warm. I know yeah. that when we walked over for the morning skate, uh, that's when I think it might have been the hottest, closer to 40. And I, I know that they had tried to put some sort of makeshift roof on it for the morning and for the afternoon, and uh, the ice was melting. I was pretty certain the game was going to get canceled, but I, I have no idea. It's remarkable, really, the job that the uh, technicians did. Uh, to make sure that we were able to play that night. Because, when, like I said, when we walked over for the morning skate, we weren't allowed to skate, and it looked closer to being a pool than it was a rink. Wow, that's amazing. Well, you guys won the game 5-2, so that, that, that's a positive memory for it as well. Well, it was funny, too. To that point, we fell behind 2 nothing, and we were the home team, and so there were a lot of people from Los Angeles that flew out to Vegas. And it's a preseason game, and, you're, you know, you're trying your best, but you don't yet have your A game yet. People were booing me and catcalling me. <laughs> really? Like, for a preseason game? Uh, well, you set the bar high, Kelly, so they had high expectations. Hey, <laughs> hey th- thanks for checking in. Really appreciate your thoughts on uh, the Oilers' start here and how- what Toronto's doing out east. We'll do this again next week, buddy. Thanks for coming on. You got it. Thanks, pal. I'll talk to you soon. That is Kelly Rudy, former NHL goaltender. And that, that locust story from that 91 game in Vegas, that is incredible that they were playing through that. But uh, And, yeah, Kelly wore, I think he was one of the first guys to ever do it. He wore a camera mounted in his helmet that they, then they uh, used to help broadcast the game and take highlights out of it. All right, here's what we're going to do. Phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. We're going to break down more of McClellan's comments from after the game. Uh, It is only three games in, but you can tell me where you're at with the Oilers, your level of concern, what you think is coming up. All ahead, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chad. 
this is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. You ask me right, to be your savior. Scoreboard in a few minutes. Oilers don't play again until Saturday. Eskimos also play on Saturday. We have a doubleheader for you on 6.30, Chad, starting with Eskimos coverage at 3.30. That game will kick off at 8. As soon as it's done, we'll go right to the Oilers broadcast against the Senators. That'll be a fun one. All right, 780-496-0063. We have Alex from Penticton wanting to jump in tonight. Alex, good to hear from you. Go ahead. Right on. Good to be on your show. Love your show. Um, well, I definitely got some concerns, and if I'm allowed to back up, read. Last year when the Oilers at the Trent deadline, when they pretty well gave up uh, Davidson for that uh, little centerman there. And, uh, you know, and I remember when Sorelli was trying to, you know, uh, uh, when he was interviewed on TV about that trade, I remember he looked like he was ready to hide behind the curtains there because I was shocked that he gave up Davidson for that. And and I think I'm going somewhere with this, you know, and, and uh, over the summer, you know, you got Strom for Everly, and I know everyone knows it was a cap deal. And then Jokin and coming in, and um, you know, and I, I always thought Greibel was a seventh defenseman at best, you know, and he's in the lineup every night. And then you're expecting Benning to be on top four, and uh, you know, I don't know what's going on in that dressing room, but there's obviously some pressure there, and I'm concerned about that defense, the, the depth on the wing, and. Matt, i got to tell you, I'm never going to compare McTavish to Sorelli's GM qualifications, but, you know, when you put Band-Aids on this team like Strom and Jokinen and expect them to play top nine minutes, it reminds me of McTavish going after Nikitin and Ferenc and Fain, and uh, I know it's a bit of an exaggeration, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking at this roster right now, and going forward, there's, they're nowhere near that they would where they were in the playoffs last year. And obviously, Nisikara uh, is the big loss. And I know I'm on a run here, and I'd like to hear your comments on that there. And I love your show. Thanks, Alex. Definitely we'll talk about that right after the 6.30 news. we got other people who want to talk as well. 780-496-0063. Everybody's getting in. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, before I get to your calls and texts, and I have plenty of time for that, especially here in the next half hour, I should update the scoreboard tonight. The Blues lead the Rangers 2-1. That's in the second period. Also in the second, scoreless between the Blue Jackets and the Hurricanes. Hurricanes are going to be here one week from tonight. Man, they looked pretty sharp in the preseason game at Rogers Place, didn't they? After one, Chicago leading Montreal 2-1, even though the shots are 16-7 for the Habs. Halfway through the first period, Predators up 1-0 on the Flyers. Game still to come. The Red Wings and the Stars... The Senators visit the Canucks. Ottawa here Saturday to play the Oilers. And we mentioned that home opener for Vegas, the Golden Knights hosting the Coyotes. Should tell you that the baseball playoff game that was supposed to happen today postponed to tomorrow, Nationals at Cubs. Cubs lead that best of five, two games to one. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. Your Oilers report brought to you by Niskew Ford. Every model on sale every day. Niskew Ford above expectations. Had Alex from uh, Penticton. 
little unhappy with the trade from last year's uh, trade deadline with Brandon Davidson going to Montreal for David DeHarnay. Toontown Tim texting in saying, hey, that little centerman scored an overtime winner in the playoffs. That was a huge game, huge win. Plus, Brandon Davidson is now a borderline defenseman on the Montreal Canadiens. Also got a text here from Oz who says, let's get real here. They're working out the rust and errors in their game. Sekra's value very evident. Jokinen and Strom are working into the new system. They'll be fine. It's just game three, people. That is from Oz. Okay. Well, I, I know Alex from Penticton. One thing I would argue with Alex, I think, is, is when he said, you know, Jokinen's a Band-Aid, or a couple other guys are Band-Aids. I don't think Jokinen's a Band-Aid. I, I think he's the type of player that a lot of teams will sign for a year when they're later in their careers, and you might have an up-and-coming team or a team that you're hoping to contend, and you want to add what is, I mean, he had 891 games in the NHL coming in, now has 894 games. Jokinen wasn't brought in to be a star or a 40-goal scorer or a 30-goal scorer. I, I think you want some veteran savvy and some leadership and some, some stability. And, okay, he hasn't hit the score sheet, but but I, I don't think you know Jokinen has created some hole in the lineup um, that, that's leading to the losses. Strom is an interesting case. Yes, that was a, 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 a salary exchange was the main motivation for the trade, but he's going to have to hit the score sheet, and he's going to have to finish plays like the in-tight one he had against Hellebuck. We'll see how he goes uh, moving along. I, I would say, you know, Strom hasn't been great so far. We'll see how he goes as he, as he advances. Uh, in terms of the criticism of the defense, yes, I would criticize the Oilers' defense as... And by that, I don't mean the defense men. I mean the defensive play as a whole. Guys, look, I, I, I think we're letting the forwards off the hook if we say the six defensemen haven't been strong enough. Now, I, I'm not letting the defensemen off the hook either because Matt Benning has had a couple shaky games. Kelly was on in the first half hour of the show saying that Clefbaum didn't defend a play very well. But, I mean, look, especially last night, a lot of the Jets' attacks started because there were forwards not being thorough and careful with the puck through the neutral zone, you know, not getting the puck over the blue line. There were too many lost uh, battles. I mean, Rob and I often talk after games. Watch the areas around the blue lines. The team, that if one team wins a large majority of those battles, that team usually wins the game. I mean, if they're kind of even, then okay, it might come down to other things. But numerous times, Oiler battling to keep the puck in just inside the blue line, trying to push it in deeper, trying to make a play in that area between the topple and the circle and the blue line, led to a lost battle, led to a turnover, turnover, boom, Jets go the other way. So that might not be defensive play in terms of what's going on in your own end, but those are important plays with the puck that, that keep it away from the other team. And I don't think the Oilers forwards have, have been good enough in that regard. Just, just what I'm thinking. 780-496-0063. You can also text 63630. We have Elvis on the line. Elvis, thanks for calling. Hey, Reed, Loving the show. And you know what? Uh, these people that are panicking a bit, uh, I get it. But you know what? It's, it's a small sample size. It's three games. These guys are gelling together. I like the one texter that texted in. So just relax, chill a bit. And I totally agree with what you said about Jokinen and Strom not being Band-Aids. Uh, it's a new system. They're learning how to play with these guys. They're new teammates. Uh, you know, am I going to jump off the boat because Talbot's looked sh- sh- shaky the last couple games? 
Um, do I think that if, if the defense keeps on playing the way they're playing, that Shirelli won't go out and make a move? I, I think he would. I think he'll do something along those lines. But every team is going to go through some adversity this, this year, and, and how you respond to it and how you play is, is how you get out of it. That team that beat Calgary is still in the dressing room. The team that lost to Vancouver and uh, to Winnipeg is still in the dressing room. Now, now it's time for coaching. McClellan's going to coach him up. And there's going to be some leadership in that room, and I truly, truly believe that. Well, and that's why they play 82 to fall back on the old cliche. And, you know, I was looking back at last year's schedule the other day, and remember they finished the season 12-2. and One of those losses was a uh, 7-4 loss in Los Angeles where it looked like all of a sudden they'd forgotten how to play hockey. They, they were still 12-2 and in that run. I, I will say this, Elvis. Here's, I, I guess here's, here's what I would identify as an area of, of concern. Certainly, they have to clean up the mistakes. One, I mean, there's going to, like I was saying to Andrew at the end of the afternoon news, there are going to be stretches throughout the season where they lose two out of three. That just happens to anybody. They just have to nip this in the bud because if you start three and six or four, seven and one or five, ten and two, all of a sudden you spend half the season just trying to get back to 500. Right, absolutely, and then that's yep. exhausting in itself. And then you worry about trying to get a playoff spot because 500 doesn't get you in the playoffs in this league. So th- th- it it still has to be taken care of quickly. And I think if and I'm going to play more McClellan from last night. I, I think he's clearly along those lines that he doesn't want to let the habit seep in too deep here. No, for sure. And then just just one quick opinion from you, Reed, really quickly. How much do you think it has affected these guys that uh, for? For a decade, they never went that far into the playoffs. They, they like they were playing games where they were at the end of the season, like you just mentioned, where they didn't check out at game sixty or fifty, like they'd have in past years. Right. And then they went on a playoff run, and Talbot played seventy something games. And I, I know I'm not saying that I'm not saying that's going to affect them for, for the whole season, but I will guarantee you that has a little bit of an impact for these first four or five or six games. Because last year, I think they started out. First, uh, they were nine, eight, and one. Were they not? No, they were. St- they were seven and one. They started seven and one, and yeah. then yes, they had a five-game losing streak in November, and they were something like twelve, eleven, and two, eleven, ten, and two. They did exactly. get, that, and then and then they had a, then they went seven, two, and five in December, and you know were pretty good after that. So, yeah. So yeah, but but on that, I mean, you you look at them last night. Like I mean, they had twenty-two shot, twenty-one shots in the first period. And I want you just to maybe touch on what, what you think about uh, that statement about uh, them playing as much hockey as they've played for the longest time. Uh, it's been a long time since they played as much hockey as they did last year, Reed. Yeah, fair enough, Elvis. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, know if there, I, don't, I don't think there's any fatigue carrying over. Um, I, I, see, there are, there are so many guys that they have no ownership, if you want to put it that way, of the decade of darkness. I mean, McDavid was the last year of it. McClellan was the last year of it. Shirelli was the last year of it. Nugent Hopkins lived it the most. Uh, he might be the Oilers' most consistent player through the first three games. I, I think that every year takes on its own personality. Every game takes on its own personality. And yes, they, they, they came in with some high expectations, which I hope they have for themselves as well. You know, we had Kelly Rudy on who said, I think they can handle it. I, I think they can handle it. They just need to be reminded about the work ethic that is necessary for that. 
thing. One, feeling too comfortable, two, getting outworked, and three, knowing what you're supposed to do. I had a player in between periods. And I showed him about four different clips, and I asked him, what do you do in this situation? He told me, but yet while he was doing it on the video, it was the exact opposite. So that's hard to explain right now, but that's our mental mindset right now that we better overcome real quick. And I'm glad that we get four good work days coming up. That, that's an interesting one for McClellan, specifically showing a player some errors and the player saying, oh, no, I know what I have to do, but it, it's not being executed. So the, the execution needs to be there and the commitment needs to be there. And I'm not using that as an overall, like, oh, they're not a committed team. But, but I mean, they had a couple of games where the details details definitely weren't there. 780-496-0063. Dwayne is on the line. Dwayne, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks for taking the call. You know, it's really weird. I, as soon as they, everybody gets in uh, McDavid's kitchen, it seems like everybody's shut down except uh, Nuge. And that's to be expected, right? I mean, people are going to play the number one line really hard. So where's the second and third line? And, you know, what's going on? I mean, and I I don't know. It just looked like, uh, it looks like it's Connor and Nuge, and that's pretty much the way it is right now. And that is, I don't know, what do you think? Well, I, I'm glad you brought up Nugent Hopkins because I think he's actually played really well. And I liked his oh, yeah. goal last night that he was assertive. Um, I think Lucic has been okay. Cassian was, was quiet after a good couple of games. Oh, but Cassian but, took a, such a stupid penalty, like slashing across the hand, and they're watching for that. Oh, the one on the shot from the point. Yeah, you know, I didn't even see that till they showed the replay. I thought it was the yeah. guy, the guy that got tossed down in front. But and, and don't get me wrong, I like I, I like Cash, and it's just it, it's like they're they're clamping down on flashing a stick work. So yeah. why do you keep on doing it? Yeah, well, I can tell you're frustrated, and and the and clearly the expectations are higher. I mean, I had Thanksgiving dinner on Sunday, and I was talking to one of my cousins, and and he said, you know, they didn't play very well in Vancouver. And we were kind of saying they used to play a game like that and lose 3-2, and you'd say to yourself, yeah, well, that's the best they're capable of playing. But but, but now you know there's there's something out there. Dwayne, I, I really fall back on something Todd said in the summer, and he, he said it last season a couple times. He said about Nugent Hopkins that the, 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 every player has to approach the game that he can be the difference maker. Like, yes, some, some days McDavid's going to get four points and just overwhelm the opponent, as he did at times against Calgary. But, but to, to, for the team to take a step from being, you know, that team that can finish 7th to 12th overall and be in the top six or the top four, everybody has to have that mentality that, hey, I'm the alpha dog. When I'm on the ice, this is my show. And Nugent Hopkins is the only guy, again, after only three games, Nugent Hopkins is the only guy that seems to be adopting that. You know, who who I think has been really invisible is Bigberg. I mean, that guy was playing with such passion last year. Where is he now? Sorry, which guy? Maroon, Big Oh, Maroon, Big Rig, sorry. Uh, yeah, well, he... You know, like, like, it's like he's invisible right now. If somebody even played a... Uh, Breathed in McDavid's direction. He was all over him last year. It was it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And they're going to need more finish. I mean, the shots are great, but it, ultimately it's about execution. Dwayne, thanks for calling, buddy. Yeah, bye.
That's Dwayne, 780 We'll get to Jeremiah next. Got to take a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. This is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, there's the Nuge. Great goal last night, but the Oilers lose 5-2. Uh, got a text here. This person says, For all the people panicking after three games, they better be the same people predicting the Leafs to win the Cup after three games, too. And trucker Tim says, I can solve the Oilers' problems in three words. No more turkey. You're welcome. And then he put a little smiley face. Is that what that is, Kellen? The little colon with the uh, bracket? That's a smiley face, right? I believe that's what they call it. Well, it's a very primitive emoji. primitive emoji. Yeah. There you go. We're not going to update our emojis on Inside Sports. We're going primitive. That's right. Hey, before I get to Jeremiah, Jack Michaels asked Todd a question after the game last night, saying, is it a natural process to possibly take a bit of a step back the first time you go into a season as a contender? It doesn't have to be. It can become an excuse, let me tell you that. You know, and we're already talking about it. I'm talking about it like it's an excuse. You know what? You know what your jobs are, do them. And then if you're losing and it's not, uh, if it's not going well, we can chalk it up to that. But right now, I think we've got to have a little, uh, a little adjustment. Well, and I'm sure they'll be getting that at practice. And, I mean, look, Todd, uh, I mean, you know, you know what your jobs are, do them. Right, and I and I don't always like making comparisons between the real world and sports because they, we we go to our jobs and we don't necessarily win or lose every day. You might have a good day or a bad day, but you don't have a scoreboard and and uh, you know obviously you don't have. I'm assuming most of you don't have eighteen thousand people paying tickets to watch your work. I certainly don't. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean sometimes you boil it down to. You have a job description as a hockey player. You have strengths that you know you're supposed to go out there and execute. Uh, you have direction from your coach. Try to do that. And I think the Oilers have gotten away from that over the last couple of games. And here's one of the ways I look at it. It's hard enough to win in pro sports without beating yourself. And we all know there are going to be nights this year where the Oilers play pretty well and they're going to lose. And there have already been games like that in the NHL this season where you've probably watched and been like, well... You know, both teams played pretty well. This team, you know, got an extra shot, got an extra bounce, got an extra power play, and they won. But you walk out of these last two games saying, man, what if the Oilers would have played better? Could have they won? Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Jeremiah on line two. Jeremiah, thank you for checking in. Hey, Reed, how you doing? Doing well. Good. I love it how everyone is a perfect analyst in the past tense. Well, hindsight's twenty twenty sometimes, isn't it? But what's on your mind about that? Anyways, um, this is kind of my thought, I think, with pretty much Todd and people with some common sense think that. So if, you have, if you're playing playoff teams versus non-playoff teams, it's the, it's the hype of the game, right? So if those players know that they're playing non-playoff teams, so... However the mind works, you know, it brings them down. It's just how it is, right? And it's, uh, it does, it's not the NHL. It's, it's all sports, right? That's how, you know, if a team's not doing good, you know, you, you don't bring your A game. Why? 
you know, ask, uh, ask those sports, uh, what do what they call Like a sports psychologist? Yes, right? They'll tell you. Like, it's, this, it's human nature that if a team isn't that great, you know, you're not going to go out there and completely whoop their ass. So you think so you think the Oilers let off the gas against the the Jets or, or what do you think? Absolutely, absolutely. And think about it: if they were to play, say, one of the top eight teams in the league, guaranteed to be in, say, the first the first four games were against the top uh, team, you know, top eight uh, place team, it would be a whole different ball game, right? Because the guys get there, there they want to go. Well, f- now. But- the, now, where is the target, and they want to beat us, and they're bringing their game, and we can't even match it because... Well, right, so that's know. what that's what they got to figure out. I mean, they can't give give the points away because there's going to be tougher points coming up later on. But we did, I mean, we've talked about that. The Oilers now have the target. Other teams want to be the team that shut down McDavid or score on Talbot or body check Lucic and Cassian and all that all that kind of hey, stuff. Absolutely. But they got to figure it out. They got. I mean, you can't. You can't let the, too many points slip away here earlier in the season. That 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 would be my primary concern. You can't. You can't in two weeks. You can't be sitting here two and five because then you oh, spend two months trying to get back to five hundred. Who is their next four games against? Uh, they got uh, two more at home here: Ottawa and Carolina. So that's Saturday and Tuesday, and so the schedule's kind of weird too. It's pretty spaced out. Then they got a road trip coming up. They're going to play at Chicago, at Philadelphia, and at Pittsburgh. So there's going to be three games that are that are top ten teams, and three that's not. Right? Well, so, and look how good Carolina looked here in the preseason, man. They looked like a pretty committed team. So absolutely, Jeremiah. Thanks for calling. They'll figure it out. All right, that's Jeremiah, 780-496-0063. More time for your calls. I'll update where the Eskimos are at in terms of a playoff spot. We'll go down to the farm and see how Yessi Puglia-Yarvi is doing. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chad. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.